This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This podcast is sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 5000 is the latest digital autopilot, providing increased safety plus decreased pilot workload. It's being certified for Part 23 and Part 25 retrofit aircraft, such as high-performance turboprop and turbine jet aircraft. To learn more about the STEC 5000, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, a helicopter pilot attempts a daring nighttime water rescue. Find out what happens in Night Helicopter Rescue by Jean-Paul Robinson. After an uneventful day without the usual activity of helicopter tours, photo flights, and TV news flights, I was prepared to turn in for the night when my beeper started to chirp. In the late 1980s, I was working for a Part 135 helicopter operator at Opalaka Executive Airport, Florida. I couldn't imagine who would need a helicopter at 11 p.m. I called the number. On the other end was a distraught father. His father and his son, grandfather and grandson, had gone fishing from Naples earlier that day and had never returned. They apparently had no way to call for help. The man said that he had contacted the U.S. Coast Guard, but he said a search could not be launched until the next day. He asked if I would be willing to fly to Naples and search for them. I quoted the hourly rate for the Bell 206L1 long-range helicopter, estimated the round-trip flight time from Opalaka to Naples Municipal, and tacked on another hour of search time. The man agreed to the cost and asked me to come as soon as possible. It never occurred to me that I would be attempting the rescue in a standard executive-configured helicopter with emergency pop-out floats, but single pilot no dual controls, at night over the Gulf of Mexico with no searchlight and no rescue hoist. Adrenaline pumping, I was airborne soon after receiving the call. The Florida Everglades at night can be a foreboding place, mostly uninhabited, with hardly a speck of ground illumination. I flew along Interstate 75, also known as Alligator Alley, The few vehicle lights and the occasional rest areas gave me enough visual reference to get across safely. After landing at Naples, I had a brief meeting with the distraught father and decided on a plan of action. I put the worried man in the rear passenger area of the helicopter. 
Did I actually think I was going to find them over the Gulf of Mexico at night? And how were they going to board the helicopter? The lights of the city of Naples did not extend very far offshore, so there must have been some form of lunar elimination to give me a scant horizon. I dimmed the cockpit instrument lights as much as possible. After about 20 minutes and only a few miles offshore, I thought I spotted a flash of light. I headed in that direction and was soon sure that I was seeing a dim, frantically flashing light. I descended and made a low pass and confirmed that we had found our stranded boaters. I clearly remember that the outboard motor's cover had been removed and set aside. The grandfather apparently had tried to repair the engine. So now what? I circled for a few moments and decided to try to hover over the small boat for a rescue. It was quite breezy and the gulf was very choppy. I turned into the wind, which was blowing in from the northwest. That set me up looking away from the glow of the city lights, which would have given me a horizon. With only the landing light for visual reference, I slowly approached the boat and tried to get a skid over its stern, but the boat was pitching up and down too much. I was afraid that it would make contact with the helicopter. It didn't even occur to me to remove one of the doors. So with the father holding the door open, I re-entered a hover into the wind. I slowly slid sideways as close as safely possible to the stern. I told the father to signal to them that they would have to jump in the water and swim to the helicopter. It must have been terribly frightening for them. A jet helicopter right overhead, close to the water, the downwash creating a very disturbed sea surface, the roar of the engine and the blast of the rotor blades. Once in position, I told the father via intercom to give the signal to swim over one at a time. I lifted and lowered the helicopter in rhythm with the passing swells in an effort to keep the skid as close as possible to the water without getting swamped by a wave. A hoist would have been handy right about now. I kept the rotor disc away and not right over the small boat, so they had about a 20-foot swim. As the first one was climbing aboard, the sudden weight on the skid tube moved the helicopter around a bit. I had re-established a stable hover when suddenly an engine chip light illuminated on the master caution panel at the top of the glare shield. A magnetic pickup had detected a metallic particle, which had disintegrated from some component of the engine. It usually is an early warning sign of impending engine failure. This was not a good time to be worried about engine failure. Offshore, nowhere to land, and with one boater still remaining, I decided I wasn't leaving anyone behind. I instructed the two in the back to signal the second person to jump in and swim toward the skid. I could see the warning light out of the corner of my eye. I held my composure and hover and waited for my next passenger. I lost sight of the swimmer as he approached the helicopter, but soon felt the weight on the skid confirming that he was boarding. As soon as the door was secure, I turned downwind and headed back to Naples Airport. With the tailwind, we were back on the ground in minutes. After landing and shutting down, I collected the payment for the flight and was rewarded with a very generous tip and profuse thanks. I pulled the chip detector and didn't find any metallic particles, so perhaps the detector was malfunctioning. I decided to cautiously make my way back to home base. 
The light never illuminated again in the subsequent months of flying, so I guess it was just a false alarm. Apparently, the next day, the Coast Guard contacted the man who reported his family missing to follow up on the situation. He must have told them that he hired a helicopter company to try to find his family, because someone from the Coast Guard called, asking for details of the event. Never again will I go off and perform a rescue like this, but instead will make every effort to get a properly equipped public service helicopter involved from the start. They would probably have a two-man crew with night vision, searchlight, and rescue hoist capabilities. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out FlyQ, AOPA's integrated flight planning software, as well as the many free online training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely.